Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. Heavenly Father, we just want to say thank you, uh, first of all, for just such a wonderful time of worship. Uh, Thank you for Tim and Jackie and just the gift they are to this community. Uh, Thank you for the sacrifice that it is to come out on a a rainy night and and just lead us in worship. Lord, bless them and uh, just abundantly provide for their every need, including an iPad, in Jesus' name. And, And Holy Spirit, open the scriptures to us. Open the scriptures to us and help my two-year-old Zeke in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm minus mommy tonight for like another hour, so Lord help me. Then we get her back. Let's turn over to Luke 1 in your iPad or phone or, or your hard copy, whatever you got on you. Luke 1, we'll start in verse 26. I'm just going to read a little scripture. And I have the New King James. I bought a New King James Bible when I was like 18, and I've just used the same one for 22-some years. I'm 40 now. And it, I've taped it together many times, but it's still going, so I just stick with that translation most times when I preach. Sometimes I do NIV. I just you know, switch it here and there, but I like the, the NKJV. But we're going to just kind of pick up in the middle of the story here. This is the middle of Luke chapter 1. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, excuse me, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Uh, When an angel appears and says, you are highly favored, you know, (laughs) we know from the rest of the story, there may be some pain involved. So she's like, already, what is about to happen? The angel says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. That's an interesting word, forever, wow. Time without end. And of his kingdom there will be no end. I mean, that's just cool. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month of her who is called barren. For with God... Nothing will be impossible. 
That is such a powerful verse. I want you to just put that in your mind. Luke 1, verse 37. With God, nothing will be impossible. He can take things that are old and dead and make them fruitful again. He can take someone who should not have a baby and give them a baby. He can do impossible things. There's always hope. Then it says in verse 38, Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Okay, there's a lot more we could read there, but just wanted to give us a sense of the story and what we're going to look at tonight. Now, if, if we just step back a little bit and kind of just let's like almost put the story of Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus kind of out of the Christmas category and just kind of put it in front of us and observe it a little bit and, and think of it a little more like as a real story, more than just kind of a thing we do at Christmas. But here's this young gal named Mary that some scholars think was still a teenager. She could have been as young as 13. Uh, I mean, this is ancient Jewish culture. This is 2,000 years ago. They were sometimes betrothed when they became a teenager. We don't know. It doesn't say, but she could be very young. And, you know, her guy friend Joseph is thinking, man, I like this Mary gal. You know, I hope we can grow old together and be married and have a family. And Mary had dreams. She was a young, you know, God-fearing gal. She probably wasn't in her late 20s. She probably wasn't in her 30s. It was probably teens or very early 20s. So imagine you're that age and you have hopes for your life and you have dreams. And imagine you're a young man. You know, I'm becoming a less of a young man every passing year. But I remember 18, 19, 20, 21, you know. You kind of have your whole life in front of you. And you would never expect in a million years that you are going to be the couple that brings into the world God himself. Like, wrap your head around that. You're just going about your life. You know, you're just, you, you serve the God of Israel. You're a faithful Jewish believer. You know, you, you're going to synagogue every week. You, Mary catches your eye or Joseph catches your eye. You're, you know, hopefully going to become married and then all of this stuff begins to happen. Imagine that. And I want to just kind of look at it in that way. So Mary has an angel appear to her, right? Anybody had an angel appear to them? I mean, I, I haven't, and I've heard of people who have, but that's pretty dramatic. Angel, uh, an angel appears to Mary and doesn't just say something like, hey, revival's coming, or... Hey, you're amazing, you know, breakthrough. The angel, in essence, says you're going to be the mom of God the Son who everybody's been hoping to come. And it's such a lofty thing. I mean, how would you even, like, you just kind of, I would just kind of be like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm going to be the mom of God and... Um, you, I mean, you won't even let me name them. You're going to give me the name to give them? Like, this is getting weird already. And so, for real, though, you're this young Jewish gal. 
you're this young woman, and then your life suddenly begins to be given to you. It, you be you be you suddenly become caught up in this swirl of a prophetic journey that you didn't really ask for, that you didn't know was coming. And so what do you do with that? What do you do when God shows up and says, like, hey, you're going to birth something. By the way, it's the Son of God, and you're going to have to raise this baby, and it's your life now. And I'm sure there was, like, a wrestle, but, like, up front, she just was like, okay, I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your will. Like, if this is real, I'm in. And... That really does amaze me because we all, you know, we all want to serve God, but that when God kind of becomes prescriptive with your life and says, well, if you want to serve me, here's what I have for you, it suddenly becomes narrow. It, it becomes specific. It becomes a responsibility. It becomes like there's a burden to it. There's people say things. I mean, can you imagine you're the, the, either the woman or the young man who tells people, oh, oh, by the way, the baby that I have, it's not Joseph's. Like, we haven't done anything. It's a miracle. Like, can you imagine telling that to people? Oh, so Mary, you're pregnant even though you're not married? Oh, it's, it's this long story. Like, an angel came, and then, like, they said I'd be pregnant. And like, sure, Mary, well, okay, we get how. No one believed her, guys. There was one relative that believed her. No one else believed her. She didn't just become like Mary, like we know it. She, she was, people thought she was crazy. People looked at poor Mary. She can't even admit it. Like her and Joseph, they kind of, you know, got ahead of themselves and, you know, got one on the way. And so there was immediately... I mean, she thought, I just had this dream for my life. You know, girls grow up wanting to be married and all that. And she, you know, the angel comes and you're going to have the baby Jesus. And then people start asking about, she gets a little bigger, a little bigger, a little bigger. So Elizabeth's in on it. You know, she got an angel thing too. But no one else believes Mary. Even her own uh, soon-to-be husband was going to divorce her. And, and we know the story about Joseph. Joseph had to have a few dreams of his own and a few angels of his own for him to be convinced it was a God thing. And if Joseph was struggling, imagine the next door neighbor. Imagine the people down the street. Imagine the people when they went to the market and they see little Mary with, you know, claiming it's a miracle baby. Can you imagine if someone told you that? Oh, you guys are expecting it's a miracle baby. Okay. Do you get what I'm saying, guys? Mary didn't just have this cool story like we think of it. It was hard. She was young. It was God. But there was whispers. There was all kinds of dynamics that came with this that she didn't ask for, but she said yes to. Now, I think of Joseph. I think of you know, Joseph's, I want to be a, you know, a dad. I want to, you know, grow up and raise him up into carpentry and have a little business or, you know, whatever, you know, think of you as young Joseph. And then all of a sudden you're caught up in this story where it's like, okay, I guess this is how God does it. He does miracle babies and that's going to be our first baby. 
And we know from Scripture they had uh, a number of other kids. I think from what we can gather from Scripture, they had at least seven in their family. Uh, because there's references to sisters and brothers. So Jesus is the oldest of many. And, but we don't, we're never given a number. But they do go on to have many other children. But your oldest is God. Like, like wrap your head around this. Mary and Joseph have an oldest son who's not just a president or an elite athlete. He's the very son of God. How do you raise God? How, what? Like, God, is this even fair? Like, I, I mean, can you give us like an extra manual? How do you do this? And so I hope that I'm communicating a little bit of just how unusual this is. Again, we talk about it every Christmas and we kind of, it becomes cliche almost, but this is a real life, a real story, really interesting drama. And, you know, I put my own little two cents into it. I put my own little conjecture into it, but we know human nature. If someone showed up in our church service really big and said it was a miracle baby, we'd send them down the line for a little bit of deliverance ministry and say, you need to get prayed for on. Not this gal. This gal was telling the truth and within her was the truth himself. What an amazing thought. So kind of drawing out a long point here, but I wanted us to just kind of put ourselves in their shoes for a moment. Put yourself in Mary's shoes. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes and just understand even when they went to the inn, you know, we know there's a little line in Scripture that says there was no room for them. And I sometimes wonder why was there no room for them? If, if a, late, if a, a couple in their late teen, teen, teen years shows up and she's fully pregnant, maybe the innkeeper's like, I don't want that kind around here. I don't want these unwed weirdo crazy people saying they're having miracle babies in my establishment we don't know why i actually did a lot of thinking about those words there was no room for them in the inn and i just kind of wonder was the innkeeper like eh i got a certain clientele that comes in here i can't have this we don't know but maybe we just know that there was there was some baggage that came with they're saying yes to this journey. There were difficult days. Do you guys remember when Simeon prophesied to Mary? They took the baby later on into the temple and Simeon gives this prophetic word. It says he blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, he said, you know, he's like this prophet getting a word for God. It's, I think that's kind of funny. Let me give a prophetic word to God. <laughs> it's like, God, can you speak to me? Because it's God. Okay. Behold, he says, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel. Oh, we got a little running down to the altar here. Thank you so much, Noonie. I'll be done in a minute. Thanks, Nuna. You get him. A, hey, Nuna. There's Oreos in the fridge if you want to get them a cook. Okay, see if that works. Simeon says, This child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. And then he directs this word to Mary. He says, Yes, 
a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Mary, this child is going to be a big deal, and your soul is going to be pierced through. Like, how do you... What? I just came to dedicate my son according to the law, and I'm... And we know there were times in Mary's life where she had to endure soul-crushing pain watching her son be crucified. And that word was very accurate. We sometimes don't like like the negative words, but I imagine that word she thought back on and said, that actually helped, that someone was going to tell me that was coming. It's not, it's, it's, I mean, I can't imagine your own child being crucified in front of you but let alone your child is the son of God and, and not even fully understanding what's happening. What a dramatic story. I mean, our, hopefully the, the gravity of this is just kind of coming through. I, I think every Christmas season, and I share on this every year, I, I am in awe that they stuck with it because what they were called to do, the baby, so to speak, that they were to raise... That was a tough one. That was, that was an interesting assignment. Now, we're called on various levels to follow the Lord in different ways, and we get hints and sometimes a dream here, and someone gets a word. And, but this was like, this was a big one. And so, how can some of this help us? Let me just drop two points here, maybe share a few more minutes. But I want to just go segue from that to just let's think about us. Let's think about our life. When God makes it clear, hey, I'm moving you this direction or I'm going to do this through you. I want to birth this thing. It, it might not be, you know, something at this scale. Are we like Mary or Joseph? And, you know, Mary's on record saying, let it be. Like, I can't even believe this is happening. I don't even know how it's going to happen. Me and Joseph haven't even gotten together yet. But if you're saying this is possible, let it be to me according to your word. Can we be accommodating and interruptible even? Can we be interruptible? Can we be accommodating when a curveball comes our way? We're just planning our life. We're going a certain way. And then an angel shows up or a dream happens and circumstances align and we're to birth something that we had no grid for. And we'll get to heaven and we'll find out maybe Mary had hints her whole life. Who knows? But I don't know if anything, no matter how many prophetic foreshadows you're given, I don't know if anything can prepare you for you're going to birth the Son of God. <laughs> that is really intense. Can we be like a Mary, the mother of Jesus, who will accommodate, will be interruptible, and will carry that to term and raise that thing? You know, so many today I've noticed, they want to be there when there's a birthing. They want to be there when it's, something's breaking through, but a Mary is there 10, 20, 30, 40 years later raising that thing to maturity. See, we live in a culture that values results, breakthrough, tangible evidences. So the baby's born and most people are gone after that. You know, I kind of, I joke around a little bit, but when we first started Greater Prayer House of Prayer, man, we were packed. Everybody wants to be in on the new thing. And then slowly over time, ah, this prayer is not my thing. 
Okay, I mean, just bless you. But there's so many, it's just hard to raise the baby and just keep going and to bring things into the various stages of adolescence, you know, boyhood, teen years, young adult, full grown, fruitful, grandparent, you know, that like in the kingdom, we have to stick around to help things grow. Mary stuck around. Uh, it's widely accepted that Joseph went to be with the Lord somewhere and in uh, Jesus's early years. And so we don't know how long he lived before he passed away. But typically when the Bible becomes silent on someone, it's because they went to be with the Lord. And so we know that, you know, he's certainly not, when he was crucified, Jesus wouldn't have given his mother to John if Joseph still lived there. Uh, And so we know that through all the seasons, Mary was there. And, and up to some point, Joseph was there. We need to be fathers and mothers who raise what God's doing. And so in your life, in my life, in this ministry, in the ministries God's called us to do, can we be interruptible? Can we be accommodating? And can we stay in it? Can we help raise what God's doing in that sense? Second thought I want to just share out real or throw out there real brief. I I kind of spoke just for a minute on the innkeeper. I think God's very gracious not to name the innkeeper. He could have been like, and Bob said, you know, no, no, but there's no room here. But he just kind of said there was no room. I mean, God's very gracious in some ways. Some people do get called out in scripture, and I'm like, that's in there forever. That's intense. You know, the innkeeper, we don't know, you know, young, old, was it a coalition of innkeepers? We don't know. Just says there's no room. But the fact is, the inn, the innkeeper, had no room for the Son of God. Imagine that. He could not have known what was coming. And to be fair, you know, maybe he was really full and, you know, they just couldn't. But when a very, very pregnant young woman shows up at your door who's about to give birth and an exasperated future husband, and they're like, please let us be here, and you say no? That's a cold heart. That's just, I'm not even being mean. That's just, if someone shows up at your front door and is like, I gotta give birth somewhere, it's like, oh, okay. Like, I certainly don't want you to go out into the stable in the backyard, it's just, you know, it's whatever. But so, this innkeeper is just forever known He wasn't willing to make room. He wasn't willing to go, you know what? I'm full, but we're going to make an exception tonight. This is crazy. You're pregnant. We need to do whatever it takes to make mom happy. We're going to do that. He could have done that. And scripture could have been, you know, I I imagine it would have been like today, 2,000 years later, there would have been some hotel somewhere in the Galilean area with a claim to fame. This is where Jesus was born in this very hotel. That'll never be. Because they said, no, we don't have room for God. Now let's think of our life. Are we so full? Are we too full? Or we just, I don't don't have room. I don't got room for that. I just, I want to and I just, but I'm I'm, I'm full. Mary and Joseph didn't say, sorry. They accommodated God. They could not have known what was coming. They said, yes, we're not too full. 
We will take this baby. We will, whatever you want to do, God, we'll take him in. We'll make room, whatever it takes. I want to be more like a Mary or a Joseph who were like, I, I didn't think my life was going to go this way, but if this is what you have for me, okay, I'll clear out my schedule and we'll do this. Let's not be the innkeeper. We don't want to get to the end of our life and then the statement over our life is, didn't have room for the Son of God. Painfully, though, honestly, a lot of people are going to stand before the Lord. And you didn't make room for me, did you? No, I, I didn't. Uh, I guess it, I should have. <laughs> then it's too late. It's like, man, we want to just fling wide our heart, our home, our ministry, whatever it takes to make room for you, God. Whatever tables we need to overturn, whatever we need to do, you need to be number one. And Mary and Joseph arranged their whole life to make room for the very Son of God. By contrast, the, the innkeeper didn't. So again, I said I'd bring this to a close. Let's just land this plane here. Can we be a little more accommodating? A little more interruptible, a little more hospitable, a little more willing to make room for what God wants to birth in our lives, our families, our ministries, maybe even our womb. Maybe, you know, I, I talk to people all the time and, and no one really regrets having too big of a family. They always regret having no kids or waiting too long or not having enough, that's, that's the conversation I always hear. It's like, ah, darn, we, you know, we had 15 kids too many. Never hear that. We always hear like, yeah, I just, you know, I wanted to get my career going and then I didn't do this and then I just... I think sometimes God does want to birth literal children through people. He wants them to be a little more accommodating. And I'm never going to pressure people like, go have a baby. <laughs> that's between you and God. But I feel like I need to, as a messenger, as a communicator, just say that. Sometimes we need to make room, not only in our lives, our families, our ministries, but we need to be willing to say, like, Lord, if you want us to adopt, or if you want us to have another one, or if you want us to, you know, whatever it, that looks like in your life, to be willing to say yes to what God wants to do. I think of it this way. Sometimes the next kid we have, we never know what God might use. That could be another Elijah. That could be another president. That could be a missionary, a teacher, engineer, doctor, Reinhard Bonnke, you know, Billy Graham. We just never know the next child or you get that. You know, that's sensitive for some people. I would never in my life be like, hey, you, go have more kids. Like, never would I say that or do that. But I think sometimes we can allow God to speak to our hearts. Hi, buddy. See, I'm really glad we had five. This dude woke me up last night at one in the morning and said, where's mom? I wouldn't have had that if we stopped at four. <laughs> Are you going to go back there and pray for dad? All right, that means it's time to end the message. Accommodating, interruptible, hospitable, willing to make room. Let's be like a Mary and a Joseph. That's their prophetic journey, and let's just let it shed light on our life tonight. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we've, we've looked at 
just a real brief glimpse of how you brought your son into the world through this amazing couple, Mary and Joseph, who we'll get to meet one day. Then I just pray, Father, that we would, in that same spirit, just be open. Lord, whether it's an angel or a dream or some unusual circumstance, whatever you're wanting to do through our life, let us be able to say, here we are, your servants. Let it be to us according to your word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. Thank you, and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.